Hello and welcome back to The Apocalyptic Fig. This is our seventh episode whereby John and I get to chat some about one of our shared interests, and that is the Star Wars universe. Let's deep dive into the Star Wars universe. Hey, can I, before we, before, I, I, I want to tell you, outside of the birth of each one of my children, Going back to my very first introduction to the Star Wars universe was a really, really cool thing. And I just, can I just share that experience a little Please, bit? Please, that was going to be my first question to you. Okay, so, so I'm sorry, I read your mind. So, <laughs> so um, I was 10 years old, I think. Uh, I think the first Star Wars A New Hope came out in 1977 in the theaters. And I remember that my brother graduated high school in 1979 and I graduated in 86. So I was 10 years old and, and he would have been like a sophomore in high school. So he could drive. My grandparents lived in Iowa City and we were down in Iowa City because it was released in the summer. I, I'm pretty sure it was. And, and I remember my brother and I at grandpa's house and we must've been there for like a weekend. And my brother is like, hey, would you like to go to this? Um, let's go to the movie. And I said, well, what do we, you know, okay, what is it? And he goes, um, there's this new space adventure movie out and we didn't know anything about it. It wasn't, it was, it was, nobody knew anything about it. It wasn't famous until everybody walked in and was blown away, you know? So I remember walking into the Englert Theater in Iowa City with my brother, 10 years old. He's, a, you know, he's in 10th grade. I'm in whatever 10 year olds in. And, and I remember walking into that movie and that first scene where um, Princess Leia's um, uh, cruiser is captured and star and Darth Vader's burst through this door. It freaked me out. And but <laughs> but it was it was a really cool movie, right? So I just remember just like it's the first movie experience, movie theater experience I remember, like vividly. And I remember walking out of that movie with my brother, and he remember he's a 16-year-old, but we were both doing the the lightsaber thing and we were making the noise and I mean it was just I'll never forget that and, and he was making the noises and everything and we were just oh my gosh it was just incredible um it was completely unexpected we had no idea what we were walking into um it really hadn't hit the um popularity yet that I, that I knew of um, because you know when I was a kid I remember everybody would talk about every movie and we, we were we went in with a blank sheet that's my experience and exposure to the Star Wars universe and I saw it around the same age as you did I saw Star Wars A New Hope my dad introduced me to it and I remember it I was still living in Minnesota at the time because I was a child and I know exactly where we were. We had this, we had this, <laughs> uh, we had this tiny TV on our kitchen counter and it was the TV guys. This is so, this is so weird to even talk about now just because we have all of our gadgets and stuff on our phones at all times, right? We can watch movies on our phones whenever we want. But this TV, my parents got 
for our summer vacation so that we could hook it up in our big van. It was so it was like the, a TV that's probably the size of my MacBook computer. Right, this the screen is tiny. And my parents had gotten it so that we could bring it with us on vacation. They could plug it in to the van cigarette outlet and then we could watch VHS movies on our way to wherever. And Star Wars just happened to be on TV one evening as my parents were cleaning the kitchen. And my dad called me in and said, this is Star Wars, you should watch it. And so I watched it. I remember almost standing the whole time in the kitchen watching it. And from then on, I was just hooked. We would, we didn't own the VHS tapes. And so we would get them from the library, from the public library in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And I remember distinctly one time out of my four brothers, I was the one that got to choose the movie. And so when we went to the library and so we go to the library, I go to the movie section and I immediately pick Star Wars, a new hope. I see the box, I grab it and I put it with my mom's stuff and we get home, we put it in and it turns out that it was Star Wars, a new hope for the vision impaired. And so we, as we were watching Star Wars, a new hope, a scene would play and then it would pause and then it would explain everything that was that had just happened in the scene and then we would we would um have to watch the next scene and then from then on i was not allowed to pick movies from the public library anymore <laughs> because that was the second time that something like this has happened the first time I went and I got Lion King from the public library and it turned out to be Lion King in Spanish. And so then we had to watch Lion King in Spanish. So I was, <laughs> so I was no longer ever allowed to rent movies from the public library again on behalf of my brothers, but Star Wars was a, a major, a major piece of my childhood. My parents, Every year, Santa would bring me Star Wars gifts, Star Wars action figures, Star Wars sweatshirts. You know, it's really cool that you, here's the really cool thing about this is I'm 50, I'm 50, I'm 53. <laughs> and rough, so roughly 20, 20 plus, right? There's about 20 years between us. Um, yep. it, that that, that um, exposure to Star Wars, the interest in it, I got the action figures too. I got the little the little action figures and and um, uh, I don't know if I ever got a Millennium Falcon because that stuff was expensive. And, right. Um, but 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 it's kind of interesting because now here we are talking about I could go all the way back to my brother. You know, he graduated high school in in uh, 1979, and he was I mean he thought it was just cool. I don't know if he got the action figures, but but my generation did, and then. It, it spans um, across quite a few generations and it's still, it's still popular. Absolutely. It, that's more amazing. Popular, more popular now than it was when, even when I was growing up. And, yeah. and I think you, you, you hit something there 
which is you saw it when you were 10. I saw it when I was 10 because my father saw it when he was a kid and he introduced it to me and you subsequently introduced it to your family. Yeah. Right. To your kids, Josh, who loves star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Abby, who binge watched the entire second season of the Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Not the second season. I think the whole thing. Oh, Uh, the whole series so far. Yeah. When it was when it was first released, when it came out, and I want to say it was seventy seven. It had to be the the movie. I don't know how many awards it won. I know the musical score for it was at least nominated, um, if not won. The special effects um, that was a transformative moment in cinema. Um, what George Lucas did with well, now you look at it and it's well, it's still not that bad. It's not, not that bad, but I mean, you went from uh, kind of the old Buck Rogers dangling little, um, you know, model spaceship <laughs> in front of a rotating screen to something uh, at the time, it was just unbelievable. And it was, it was so realistic and uh, I just think back, we were just blown away right from the get-go. Um, it was it was major. So I think when the movie first came out, even people that were not really all that interested in science fiction were fairly impressed. Plus, it's it, it's an incredible storyline. Um, uh, it, it's 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 an, it's like people some people say it's a space opera it's a it's an epic adventure of good versus evil and i know we'll probably get into that a little bit but one other yeah. thing that i can say about the star wars universe um as presented by george lucas's I- idea of how he sees things aside from combat and some um, not too terribly graphic violence. I mean, there are guns and there are people um, dying. They're not dying like they die in typical movies. I mean- Not in today's that's movies. That's right. A little beam of light yes. hits a guy and he, play, and he falls down and it's almost like, wow, <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> or, you know, so, so we could, here's what I, one of the things that I really think can be said about this. There is absolutely zero language. I cannot think of any, um, inappropriate adult content in it at all um, and it would be almost impossible to have a space epic or a or a good versus evil epic with battles where you don't have fighting but absolutely the fighting is not graphic um, so that's one thing that can really really be said about the 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 Star Wars universes and unless I'm, I'm maybe I missed some things but um, I can't think of anything where we're talking about, boy, this would be um, incredibly bad for the, the human psyche to be exposed to potentially graphicness. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe the fight scenes, but I will say one thing and I apologize, but my nephew who's slightly younger than me was taken to Star Wars, I think, when he was just a little bit too young because my sister has a story um, and it was the same summer, so he would have been really little. Um, 
that the first scene in a new hope where darth vader they break the door down and go into the and darth vader is walking my nephew lasted until that which is the very <laughs> beginning that's the very beginning of the movie and they had to take him out because darth vader I mean, terrified him absolutely i i would i'd say that's probably the most terrifying part this is the most terrifying part of that whole trilogy that whole first trilogy right because he is he is just storming that ship and, and he's sinister looking yes it's your first introduction to him he's slicing people with his red lightsaber and then he pretty graphically i would say chokes that guy this is true yeah and then throws him away um and that's your first introduction to the entire star wars universe right there yeah yeah darth vader yeah yeah, that, and, yeah that's and then as you travel as you travel through then the the storyline you get not used to him but you you know who he is you begin to understand who he is and and then it's a little less daunting but his presence commanding presence in that first opening scene of a new hope is terrifying it, it is. <laughs> especially you for the, your young nephew who would see it <laughs> i'm sorry chris uh, he'll he'll admit it uh, so so the interesting thing that george lucas does with that evil that the arch the arch evil enemy right is not only does he um create this sinister costume that is frightening with the big bug eyes and the, the, the helmet um he adds sound to it now you hear this breathing episode you know this almost like it's almost like that theme from jaws you could hear this this breathing and um you know you can hear it and he does it throughout the, the universe whenever um when well i think it's a new hope does luke go to to um um the dagobah system in the in the new hope to see Not Yoda yet. for the first time. Okay, but but in that scene where he's on that um, tropical planet, he yes. faces, and you can hear the breathing first. Yes. And then when you hear the lightsaber. Training. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Um, so that, I will say that part, I remember watching that part for the first time. And that part was the only part that scared me. That's in the, so that's in the, in the, in the Empire Strikes Back. Okay when he goes to Dagobah and Yoda is training him and he goes into that just sort of um, overgrown cave type thing and he encounters the force vision of Darth Vader. And then they start fighting and he cuts Darth this force vision's head off and in his head, it's Luke's own face. So I think, you hit something really good and really important in that it changed the face of the way in which science fiction movies were made. And it has had a constant hold on, on fandom and on society since it came out in May of 1977. And I will say that when folks watch it and maybe they don't enjoy it or it's just not for them right what i think maybe one of the things that people just tend to not understand is like the depth and the richness that 
maybe we as like <laughs> fans who are steeped in it really appreciate. And that's not to say that I think everyone ought to be a Star Wars fan. Certainly not. I mean, people are fans of things that I have no interest in mm-hmm. in doing. But I want to I want to spend a little time on this episode talking about the depth and the richness that can be found in the Star Wars universe because science fiction is is and always has been inherently prophetic always it just is inherently prophetic that's why this how science fiction is written any sort of fiction really um but it is prophetic and it's star wars showcases the rise and the fall of humanity mm-hmm. and it really does this great job of just <clears throat> showing us as viewers that while we might not live in a galaxy far far away with with lightsabers and with blasters and with darth vader the thing that service teaches us is that humanity has a really hard time changing so much that we just kind of repeat the same cycle over and over again. And we are always entrenched in this battle between choosing good and choosing the other. Star Wars is exceptionally good at, I think, showcasing that. So is so so are other things of science fiction too, right? Like um, like Lord of the Rings. I was just gonna say that it's exactly yeah, a great piece of literature, and then subsequent movies that showcase that tug and that pull between choosing the path that I ought to be on, and then falling into the path that I shouldn't be taking. Starting at the beginning, where it all stems from, where the Star Wars universe stems from, where all of this that you and I love and that your kids love and that my family loves, it all stems from this one guy, George Lucas, who in my love for Star Wars and in my reading a lot about it and my researching it, I find out that Lucas is a de- was in his young life a devotee to a gentleman named Joseph Campbell, who taught at Saint uh, at Sarah Lawrence College, and he was a professor of or a scholar in comparative religions and ancient mythology, and so this the impact that this gentleman joseph campbell has on lucas and so on the star wars universe is astronomical which we can see if we take you know if we take the star wars movie not for granted in that it's not just a a a story about lightsabers light, light light up swords and and blasters but is a story of of great depth and great um, commentary on humanity 
and on religion. I would also say that Star Wars is not inherently, it is not like an inherently Christian No, it, it could science also say fiction. it's a little bit, of, little bit of a Taoism too. It's like, yeah, like, I would, like, that's exact. Yeah. I would say it's like an amalgamation of, of all of, of all world religions. Mm-hmm. Right, so you have you have pieces you have a lot of pieces of Buddhism in there, yeah, um, and some you know and some and some monotheistic religious symbol symbolism um, in there as well. One 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 really important lesson I think we can have, we're going to go I'm going to go back to New Hope and I'm going to go to Tatooine right that's is yeah. that our desert that's our desert planet. So, something that people can really tap into from this too is. is the the greatness that this young kid from the middle of nowhere living way out in the sticks just this barren life he does have strong desires though because he wants to fight for the good it, it's a good example how just a, somebody from backwoods nowhere right is used as the uh, now granted there's some lineage there right i mean it's right i mean but we all have lineage, right? So we all have lineage for greatness. And I, and maybe I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but while you were saying that, it was the 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 little nobody from the middle of nowhere out in the desert is the is the chosen one. Sound a little familiar? Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah. And I don't. Maybe a little bit. I maybe I'm making too big of a connection there, but it is. It's the it's the nobody from nowhere. And even in the newest trilogy. You see, you see the same format being used again. Ray, Ray. this girl who is a, a literal nobody, yeah, with no with no parents, well, raised yeah. by slave owners, right? And she becomes the catalyst for good, right? She changes, she changes the course, and so I will say that Star Wars, above anything else, is a story about destiny, about becoming who you are always meant to be. Destiny, well, he says that, Vader says that too. It is a story about figuring out your path. Yeah. Which has repercussions for all of us. Mm. Teaches us all. But along those lines, right, it's also a story of hope and a story of mirrored humanity. It's got all it's got all of the motifs that you and I live our lives in. It's got goodness. It's got light and it's got darkness, it's got chaos. It's got fear. It's got friendship and relationship and how that impacts and affects everything we do. It's got redemption and forgiveness. It's got the force right this 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 holy spirit <laughs> ethereal ethereal natural thing that grounds all of all of the universe it permeates every living thing whether it's earth or ground or animal or person so it's got all these it's got all of these it's just a great reflection of human life of humanity just just based in in 
space opera form. Yeah. That, well, the symphony of life. Um, the, the, the other thing that's really cool about this too is it has, it has, um, it has not oracles, it has sages that have wisdom that give incredible advice. Um, they're the prophets, they're the prophet, Yoda. I would say that too. Yeah, Yoda is like, he's this mix between like a, a prophet and this sort of maybe like Buddhist like wisdom that. figure because he's like he he is wise and he is also cryptic and he yeah. doesn't do anything until the moment he chooses and then he kind of just like shocks you yeah. by the way in which he moves and and acts but for most of his existence he is this quiet wise cryptic being in his crypticness and in his speech there's no filler when he when he says it you know he speaks back he speaks in that almost past tense backwards way but everything that comes out of yoda's mouth is not of waste at least that's the way i i envision the character to be developed as and i think in him is such a great lesson for all of us in that we love to open our mouths and just spew whatever whatever it is that we're thinking and oftentimes right off the top of our head based on our emotions and yoda is this like really uh in tune person he is not only intuitive he's in tune with himself and with the force and so he's able to as he receives things take time to process them before he offers his words, which is usually just like a one sentence thing. Yeah. A one sentence phrase. And so he yeah. doesn't waste speech and he doesn't let his emotions get the best of him. His lesson is to do not let, be let you be driven by your emotions because that is how you will become unraveled. Letting your emotions get the better of you leads to anger and then anger leads to hate and then hate leads to suffering and then suffering leads to chaos the dark side yeah yeah absolutely and and we see this this so in the character development of yoda who's a jedi master and then we see this 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 uh, association a, a society almost like a society of jesus i i make because i've always thought i've always had this really um interesting thought and idea that the jedis were some sort of crossed between a buddhist monk and a jesuit <laughs> and and uh, they were they were they're a society of not only thought a society of discipline and um they were the sages in this in this um the the, uh, the, the beacons the oracles the the prophets i would say that's a fair comparison i would also say in that line of thought though these this sort of like jedi council or this council of jedis who kind of leads the jedi order they act just like jesus's disciples too whereby they think they're really great right they're really filled with wisdom and they know what's going on and then 
at every corner, they, they almost always fail. And then ultimately what does end up happening is they fail. They fail. Yeah. And I, you see it in, in the, the middle trilogy, the best, in episodes one, two, and three, made by George Lucas back in the 2000s. You see Anakin Skywalker coming in, and then you see the Clone Wars developing. And in the Clone Wars, what ends up happening is the Jedi Order are gifted secular power, whereby they're running wars as an order of peacekeepers. And they're running wars for the Republic in, in this sort of like sellout, right? As we're watching it, right? What they're doing is they're selling out themselves, everything that they hold. The faith. They're selling, yeah. yeah, right. Yes, because what is the Jedi Order but an ancient religion? Yeah. Of peacekeepers. They, and they, they sell themselves out and they fall into hubris and they fall into hypocrisy and then the entire Jedi Order falls. When you were mentioning that, you were talking about, we're talking about the Jedis right now, and there is, there's a scene, you know, I, I mix my movies up, so I, I can only explain, I don't know which one this was in. This is when, this was when Anakin was in, I wanna say Parliament. Um, he was in the amphitheater and he was sitting next to Palpatine. And um, I wanna say, it was in Coruscant, the, the big city. This would have been the third one. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And 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 so so they're watching. Um, he's in he's in Palpatine's booth, and this is before you can tell something's going on with Palpatine. Though I mean, he's got this creepiness to him, and um, he starts um, quizzing Anakin, and and Anakin says something about he encapsulates what a Je Jedi is, and, it, and what Anakin says, and I'm paraphrasing it is he goes, "That's not what a Jedi is. A Jedi is." someone who never does anything for himself and he sacrifices himself for the other. And um, I think I just, it, I, I, the funny thing is I've watched that in the last month because I usually watch it over the holidays. And um, I was like, oh, I think what, I think Anakin just kind of uh, summarized the, the, the lesson of self-gift. And that, I think that's where Palpatine tells him, basically he's explaining to him what he did to his, master his his jedi master um and he calls it a legend but he's really telling a true story yeah so. i maybe it might be helpful just to do a brief overview yeah. of what's going on okay so in may of 1977 george lucas comes out with the very first star wars movie which is a new hope which is episode four yeah of the star wars of the star wars saga and then he comes out with episode Five and episode six, Empire Strikes Back, Revenge of, or, yeah. or Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And then it isn't until 2000 that George Lucas comes out with episodes one, two, and three. And so then we, we see the origins of the Star Wars saga, yeah. which is this little boy named Anakin Skywalker is found on the desert planet of Tatooine he is the product of a virgin birth. Yep. His mother has not 
slept with any man. She is a slave and he's born to her. Um, and so it is inferred that the force has, has, has provided Shmi Skywalker with this child. The Jedi find him, they take him because he is so, um, steeped in the force. They take him to the Jedi council on the city planet of Coruscant and they petition to have him trained, even if, even though he is a little bit older. So he's about nine and they train Jedis starting at infants. They take them away from their family at infancy so that the child doesn't form attachments to any one person. So the Jedi Council accepts Anakin Skywalker, which is their demise because he is already at the age where he has learned how to form attachments with people. He's formed an attachment with his mother and will then subsequently form an attachment with Padme, the queen of yeah. the planet Naboo, and then this, who becomes the senator. So he falls in love with Padme in the second ep episode of Star Wars. And they end up having a secret wedding because Jedis are not allowed to be married mm -hmm. because they're not allowed to form attachments. And so he gets married to Padme secretly. And all the while, while that's going on, there is also the Clone Wars where the Jedi are leading battles with clones um, against the separatist army. There is a senator, his name is Senator Palpatine. He is the senator of Naboo. He is a double agent playing both a senator who is striving to become the emperor of a new galactic empire. And he is also the ultimate leader of the Sith, which is the dark side, the sworn enemies of the Jedi Order. Nobody knows his true identity as Darth Sidious, the Sith leader, until the third episode when he reveals himself as the Sith. He has seduced Anakin Skywalker with power and with control and then <laughs> and thus <clears throat> a battle more battles ensue catastrophe hits anakin skywalker he gets his arms and his legs chopped off and thus he becomes darth vader and then we get into the 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 original series yeah. That demise of Anakin Skywalker, that was a poor, that was a poor recap, but a quick one. I didn't want to spend forever on it. Yeah. The demise of Good Anakin job. Skywalker is the, is the most heartbreaking arc of the Star Wars universe. Of the, of the entire Star Wars saga, because he is supposed to be, well, not even supposed to be, he is this loving affectionate boy and he, as he's growing up in the jedi order he continues to be this loving affectionate boy 
But what ends up happening is he has this desire because of his love for people to control to control everything so that nothing bad happens to them. And in his lust for control, he falls into chaos. And I remember Yoda telling him, attachment will always lead to jealousy because mm -hmm. attachment is the shadow of greed. See Yoda. Right? <laughs> what his exact quote is, attachment leads to jealousy, the shadow of greed that is. And because Anakin desires to be in control, to save the ones that he loves, he begins to feel this like lust or this pull into power. And because he cannot escape it, and because he's being seduced by Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious, he becomes Darth Vader. And he, be he becomes the very person he swore, he promised to never become. All because he could not keep his attachments at bay. He fell into his attachments and he couldn't escape them. And it is just heartbreaking. And it's also happening to us all the time. Is we are the... always in this constant like pull of attachment. I want more, I want more, I want more. And then it turns into this sort of like greed. We turn envious. Incredible unhappiness. Right? And then we become attached in totally inappropriate ways. We become attached to people, which is the worst, which is the worst way. And we become attached to our things. And then we just fall into absolute chaos. Because and we, we be become attached we become... to our things. Yeah. Go on. Go ahead. Sorry. Except when we become attached to our things, then then those things aren't enough. And then we want more yes. things to be attached to. And then we or we become attached to people. And then and then anytime this person does even the slightest, even the slightest thing to set us off then we will we will fall and crumble like not only will we slaughter the relationship we will slaughter ourselves in the same breath spooky like this yeah this this um this unholy unkempt attachment to people is terrible and i think it's like it's seen in anakin skywalker so well when he is wife who is padme comes to confront him after he starts killing people killing children yeah. she comes to confront him and because because his attachment to her is so out of control he thinks that she is like working against him or she's selling him out and so he he chokes her and she's pregnant with his twins at the time and he chokes her and then dart 
Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine, uses that against him, lying to him to say that he killed her in his fit of rage. I will also say one of the one of the things that Star Wars is also really good at is showcasing the importance of self-sacrificial love or self-sacrifice for the good of your friendships or for the good of those people around you. I mean, the very, the very first one you got to see when you were 10 was old Ben dropped a saber, allowing Darth Vader to kill him. Right. There's so there's several could... instances of that, actually, that the, the people in the even the even the the unnamed X-wing pilots that would go be going down the, the valley of the Death Star and, you know, almost, you know, sacrificing themselves. Um, yeah. Or the Ewoks on the planet Endor who are yeah. who are virtually. I mean, you look at them and you think these guys are an absolute waste of space. Like, what can they even do in terms of fighting <laughs> the Galactic yeah. Empire? And yet they do literally anything and everything within their power to help the Rebel Alliance. They know that the impact that they're going to have is going to be minimal. And yet they sacrifice, they will sacrifice themselves for good goodness to win to prevail and then ultimately good will good always prevails right in star wars it just it does it just takes a really long journey to get there i mean years and years for for good to finally overcome yeah, you see like Anakin Skywalker, right? His his rise into Jedi fame and then his absolute fall into Sith fame. Yeah. Into, into this darkness. And it isn't until he's an old, old man and his son, Luke Skywalker, is what? In his, what would you say? Late 20s? Yeah, good, good call. Yeah. 30s, somewhere around there. That he has his moment of redemption. And it's yeah. his it's his own son who says to him, despite the fact that you have worked your entire life, your entire adult life, to destroy the Jedi Order and to in institute the Galactic Empire, which is this terrible, terrible oppressive government, despite all of that, I know that there's good in you. I know that there's good. In, I can feel it. I can feel that there's good in you. Release your hatred. And he ultimately does. And what does Luke do? Forgives him. And he bring he he spends the time to drag Darth Vader's barely alive body into a spaceship so that he can take him home and give him a proper Jedi burial. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's the beautiful end to a tragic arc. The goodness, if we want it, if we're gonna fight for it, goodness will always prevail. 
I will also note that I am adamantly anti-war and anti-violent, <laughs> like in my philosophy of life. Yeah. In my real life. And so, like, I will view Star Wars, I mean, obviously, I guess, through that lens. And it's, it's, so it's, it's always striking to me, kind of going back to what I had said earlier, it's always striking to me that the catalyst for the entire fall of the Jedi Order and for the entire fall of Anakin Skywalker is war. Yeah. It's it's the Clone Wars started in episode 2. Episode, Star Wars episode 2, the Clone Wars. Because that that war is the beginning of the end for everybody. The war is always the beginning of the end for everybody, right? Mm. Yeah. Speaking to like our real our really healthy really great conversation on fear star wars highlights the way our conversation went really really well in that fear is very prevalent in the star wars saga and in the person of luke skywalker who is trying to figure out who he is, who he's supposed to be, and how he's supposed to be that, he not only faces his fear, but he acknowledges it and he spends time coming to understand it. That's why he spends all that time in Dagobah with Yoda, coming to understand who he is and the fear that is held within his heart. Because George Lucas could have gone on a false narrative there and just made made Luke the way he was, but that would not that was the natural pathway for Lucas to go because that's the way it is for everybody to acknowledge that fear, to live in it and dwell in it, and then to walk through it, right? To to see it, to walk into it and then come out on the other side, whatever that other side might be. Delve a little bit deeper into it. There is a reason why that planet was the way it was. There was, there is, that could be a whole different episode where you, or it could be a college class. Why did George Lucas choose a place like Dagobah in a Dagobah system um, to be this raw, this raw, primitive, undeveloped, um, no civilization whatsoever site for this to take place. And there's a reason why it's because it's, 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 it's the wilderness. It is the wilderness that he went to. It's Luke's desert is what it yes, is. Yes. There's literally nothing there. He must confront who he is there in that place. We all have our Dagobah. We all, <laughs> we all have our Dagobahs. We, we all have them and we really ought to go to them. That's right. Right, so that we can come to terms with who we are and how we walk through our fear Yes. to the other side. So maybe we should wrap this episode up and maybe we'll have a part two Star Wars someday in the future. Know of my, know of my prayers for you and your family. And you as well. 
thank you. I will. I'll see you. I'll see you this Sunday. I'll see you at mass. You betcha.